because we're, we're going to look at something that I, I think is becoming greatly misconstrued and greatly misused in our day and age. And I say that because, um, yes, there's been a little bit of a trigger point for me on, on this message. No one here. I'll just, uh, just say that up front. Don't, don't look around and say, I wonder who he's talking about. There's, there's no one here. But um, there are some folks that I, I know rather close to that um, there have been some things recently said and put on Facebook and just different things that greatly concern me and really just, can I put it this way, grieve me greatly. And may I say it's not... It's not just one or two or here or there. It, it's, it's everywhere. It's growing in a very massive way within the ranks of God's people. This, this issue that we're going to look at this morning. May I say this may not be the most comfortable message. Y'all love those, I know. But, um, but it's very needful. This might even ruffle some feathers. Maybe not the people in here, but I guarantee you there might be some folks that watch down the, down the line or maybe watching live. Who knows? And you may not like what I have to say, but I'll give you this much. Uh, what I'm about to show you, what we're about to look at is Bible. So in as nice a way as I can possibly say it, if you don't like it, argue with God about it. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. This will not be popular, but it is necessary. Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to read verse 1 through verse number 4. And in this, we're not going to stay in Isaiah. Matter of fact, we're going to be jumping to the book of Revelation here in just a moment. And we're going to, be, we're going to go through several. I've got actually eight passages that I want to look in the book of Revelation. We're just going to hit them one after the other. So y'all stay with me, and I'll get you to turn with me. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 6, though. And, uh, and look, look what's said here, verse 1 to verse number 4. One of the most popular verses and passages of Scripture from the book of Isaiah, uh, one of them is right here in, in chapter 6. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Um, in this one passage, in verse number three, is kind of the focus for the springboard this morning. Uh, I, I want to preach a, a message entitled Statements Not Made in Heaven. Statements Not Made in Heaven. Here is one area of revealing of a statement. That is made in heaven. We're going to look at the, the, the things that are said first. 
And then I'm going to give you a list of things um, that is a small list because we could go on and on and on. But I'm going to give you a small, very specific list of things that will not be said in heaven. And you don't see it in the Bible, and I guarantee you you're not going to see it uh, once we get there, period. Uh, just because, well, you'll, you'll get the point here in a moment. But what is said in heaven? What did Isaiah see when he finally saw the Lord? He saw one crying out and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We're going to go to the book of Revelation. We're going to see several things that are said in heaven. And then we're going to look at several things that will not be said in heaven that unfortunately seem to become a growing focus of Christians today on earth. Well, let's pray, and then we're, we're going to dig in, <clears throat> and, and we're going to go do some, some page flipping together, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we look at your word. Lord, so much of what we're going to look at, it can be extremely convicting for every single person, myself included. Some things can be encouraging, Lord, there, there's, there's a, a variety of, as we might say, emotions that can come through this. But I pray, above all, that our hearts and our minds would be open to the truth of Scripture. And that whether it is one sitting here today or one watching uh, through the, the opportunity of live streaming or, Lord, maybe down the road, somebody who go back and watch it's nothing that this preacher has to say, nothing that I can give that means anything, but Lord, it's what you have already said in your word that means everything. And I pray that you would help us to grasp the truth and see the error of the direction of mentality today that is beginning to permeate and, and, and overthrow the Christian's mindset with the societal norms. Would you help us, Lord, to see this? If there's an area in this that we personally need to, uh, to accept and realize and need help from ourselves, would you help us to be sensitive and obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit that we might allow you to do a work in our hearts and lives, Lord, that each and every day, as we get closer and closer to the return of our Lord, that each and every day we would be faithful to be focused where we ought to be, to have a heart and a mindset where we ought to have it. And we'll trust you to do a work in us and through us that only you can do. May the Holy Spirit have free reign to move throughout hearts and lives this morning. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I will say this. to go Take your Bible and go to the book of Revelation with me. <clears throat> Over the book of Revelation, where it's where we're going to start in verse, uh, chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 4 is where we're going to begin. But throughout the book of Revelation, we see many things that are said in heaven. Now, I know some of these things are, are, are talking about future events and things that are coming, yes. But may I say, Isaiah saw a statement that back in his time, and by the way, that statement, the holy, 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 you're going to see it again here in Revelation 4. That statement hasn't ended. It keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. It never ends. It never stops. Um, and so there are some things that are said and not said once. They're said over and over and over again. 
And even when we enter into eternity one day and we're, we're in the presence of the Lord for all eternity, it never changes, that statement, that, that exclamation of who God is and his holiness will never end. It just continues. Kind of hard for us to fathom that anybody would want to be a part and, do, and, and be a part of, of saying the same thing over. How monotonous would that get? When we get to heaven, there'll be nothing monotonous about it. It will, be, it will be literally the exclamation point of who God is all the time. But let, let's look together at these statements. May I, let, let me go ahead and just make this premise as well. Y'all ever heard the statement, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? Now let, let me just preface this. I have met some people that would almost fit that description. They are so extra super spiritual. You can't hold a common, just regular conversation with them. I mean, if, you, if you're talking about a basketball game, they're going to find some kind of scripture to insert into and make a spiritual application to everything. Well, that, that, wonderful, I'm glad you can do that. But listen, we're talking, I'm not... How do I fix this lock? Well, the Bible says, and that's not what I need. I just, I just, let's talk about fixing the lock, you know, that kind of thing. It, I've met some people that can literally drive you insane in the fact that everything has to be spiritualized. But may I say, that's not really a big problem for us. Can I say in all honesty, well, whether, you want, whether I can or not, I'm going to, but... Will you hear me out with this statement? Put it that way. Our problem is not being so heavenly minded we're no earthly good. The real problem we have in America and around the world is becoming so earthly minded we're no heavenly good. That's our biggest problem. And by the way, listen, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. You're looking at somebody who can be just as earthly minded as anybody else here. I like things. I, I like having stuff. I like, I like having a, a good running vehicle. I mean, I like having um, nice clothes, even if it did come from the thrift store. I mean, I, 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 I'm like anybody else. You know, if I've got, a, hey, hey, fellas, if, if I've got a chance to, to go, you know, buy a toy that I've been wanting for a long time, I have a desire to want to get it as well. I mean, anything geekish is me, Okay. Somebody, somebody shows me some kind, of, uh, some kind of new technology that has, you know, and is available to the common person, and boy, it can do a lot of neat things. My geek mind goes crazy. The kid in me goes, ooh, okay, that, that's what happens to me. I'm just like anybody else. I can get so off-focused like anyone here, so there's no finger pointing. Well, by the way, one preacher said, just remember, every time you point a finger, there's at least three pointing back, all right? There's no finger pointing here, but may I say we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same struggle. And this society and the world around us, just, I mean, we're, you're going to see it in a minute with some things, but there is so much influence piling in on the child of God today to change your mindset. Alter your thinking. Rearrange your priorities, because everything you've ever been taught, especially back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, 
all that hard preaching, all that kind of stuff, you need to trash every bit of that kind of stuff because it was nothing but a man controlling men. May I say some of that might have existed. Well, some of that did exist. And today it still exists. May I, let's put it, let's put it this way. I'm trying not to get all, too far off, off subject. It's on, on topic. I'm just trying not to chase too many squirrels. But may I say, people have traded one preacher that tried to preach control over people for a whole new generation of preachers that preach control over people and they're happy in doing it. They've left the hard-nosed fundamentalist Baptist, bless God, that's just nothing but control, and they've gone to Joel Osteen and Rick Warren and a whole bunch of other different people that ask for your money and try to, try to put the pressure on the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, you know? And, and send us your money, we'll send you a holy hanky. You support our ministries and my five jets and everything else, and God will bless you. Listen, they've gone from one control freak to another. And they're happy to do it. And they're excited to do it because this person over here is telling me how, how to be focused. Mm, I'm getting ahead of myself. How to be focused on me. And how to be happy with me. And how to give myself everything that I deserve. And so as long as, by the way, it is the most slick, controlling job that you've ever met is people who control individuals by making individuals feel that they're in control of themselves. It is slick. May I also say uh, it is of the devil. I'm not saying that the, that the, 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 the individuals who mis- misused scripture in old days and misused the Bible in old days to try to, try to push their idea of perfection on people, I'm not saying that's right either. There, there were several preachers that did wrong. By the way, not everything they preached was wrong, by the way. Don't, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Scripture is still Scripture. Don't throw out Scripture just because somebody hurt you. Don't throw out Scripture just because somebody preached it mean. It's still Scripture. I, I remind you, Jesus Christ himself wasn't all that nice when it came to those who were Pharisees. Why did sepulchers, serpents, he, he, he was rather direct as well. But I'm not, I'm not justifying mean-spirited preaching or mean-spirited leadership. I am saying people have now gone from one extreme to the other, and it is not of God. Let's look and see. And you say, where is all this tied in? Hold on, we're getting there. Looking at Revelation 4, what are some things that are, that we see, that we are told, are said in heaven? Revelation 4, starting in verse number 8, Bible says, down to the end of the the chapter there, verse number 11, Bible says in verse number 8, and the four beasts had uh, each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and the rest, uh, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Isn't that funny? Old Testament Isaiah all the way to the book of Revelation with John, and the same statement is still being said, not resting day or night. It's nonstop it's forever continuing to say, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts 
Give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, here we go, another saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, Look at uh, chapter 5 and verse number 7. It says, and it came, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and and four and twenty elders fell before the lamb, having, by the way, that's, that's, that's Christ, capital L, the lamb, slain before the foundation of the world. All right, here we go. go. Moving on. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Here it is again. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, hold on a second, (laughs) the fish are gonna speak. Think about it. It's a Walt Disney cartoon all over again. Watch. He says everything above and below, the, 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 the birds, the fish, the, I mean, everything, all of God's creation. Watch what happens. And, and, and it says um, every creature and under the sea, under the earth, we got all that. And it says, here's what they say. I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. You know it's a pretty big deal when every single creature is being labeled as having spoken up together in unison, pointing to the one who is worthy. That's pretty impressive. By the way, if if God can create everything, he has no problem giving voice to animals. Must we go back to a time frame when God used a donkey? You say, well, this is all fiction. No, no, it ain't fiction. People one day are going to realize just how much reality it actually is. So that's that's chapter 5. Let's go on to uh, chapter 7. Turn over to chapter 7. Let's, let's see some more. We're, we're moving along. Chapter 7, verse number 9 through verse number 12. It says, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. Oh, well, we're, we're going to visit this one day and talk about that great multitude on a Sunday night, but later. But uh, no man could number of all nations and kindred and people and tongue stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation 
Here's what they're saying. Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Go over to, uh, to chapter 11 with me. Chapter 11, looking at verse number 15 through verse number 17. It says in the seven, uh, and I know there's, there's several other things that are said and done. We're not focused on those. We're, we're looking at some specific things uh, for, for this morning. But verse number 15 in, in chapter 11, it says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Look at verse, uh, chapter 12, verse number 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For, by the, by the way, there is a Christ that the world will accept, a Messiah the world will accept, but it's not God's Messiah. And the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. This is the point at which Satan, the accuser, is thrown to earth. And all of the, those that follow and, and are going, he's going to leave, they are thrown to earth. He no longer can stand. By the way, where, where, does, where does Satan go today? Where, does he have access to the throne of God? Mm-hmm. This is the point at which he's cast from the presence of God, no longer to be able to make accusation against God's people. He is cast to earth to have his rule and reign short time frame. And there is a voice that comes from it talking about how salvation has come and that the accuser of the brethren is cast down. They're rejoicing. They're thanking God that the accuser is no longer allowed before the presence of God to make accusation against the brethren. He is cast out not to be listened to any longer. There's another proof of it when you go to the book of Job. He came before the Lord. There's a lot of proof that Satan is not in hell waiting for his opportunity. Satan is to and fro in this earth. Satan actually goes before God. Satan brings accusation. He is constantly the accuser of the brethren. But there's coming a day where that opportunity will be taken away and no more. Uh, go over um, to uh, chapter 15 with me. In chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. Here it says that I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And just a little small tidbit for you, um, there will be people saved in the tribulation. 
we'll deal with that later. Sunday nights, y'all keep coming. We're going to hit that one, all right? And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest." Go with me to chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 1 through 7. Told you, a lot of scripture reading. And after these things, verse number 1, after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as a voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Who's the wife? The church. The church is already there. The church is already being prepped. The church is getting ready for we're going to deal with that later too. It's getting ready, getting ready for the supper. The churches are, they, the wife that is, is, is going to be at the marriage supper, the, the church, God's people, that, that bride of Christ is going to already be there being prepared for the feast. Moving on. All right. Last area, chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. It says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. There you go. That's it. Pastor Schmidt hit that one this morning. As soon as he went on that, I'm like, leave it alone. I'm going there. <laughs> and I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Here we go. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away. Now here you go. Here's the exclamation of when God wipes away all tears. Everything's over, new heaven and new earth, all judgments passed. Everything is over with. We enter into official 100% never to end eternity And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I was talking to someone, I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but it might have been Brother Bob, we might have been talking about this, but um, I said something about that uh, I I really believe that uh, it's going to be the greatest brainwashing anybody's ever known. 
You say, that sounds horrible. No, it's a sweet thing because the former things are passed away. I don't think there's a single thing about this life. I don't think there's anything about this life that we will remember. I believe it's fresh and new from that point. All we know is the Lamb, the Father, the Spirit, the presence of God. I think it will be, to a degree, the Garden of Eden all over again, never to be messed up. Man with God in fellowship the way it was intended to be. And all former things passed away. No more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. Well, how do you not have sorrow and pain and all these things if you can remember anything from this life? If there's anything we can remember from this life, it will be coupled with the, the process of the penalty of sin. Pain, death, sorrow, crying, all that has to be done away with, which means that we will not be able to remember, as far as I'm, this decorology, but I'm telling you, we will not be able to remember a single thing about this life. We will only know God and now. We'll only know the eternity we are in, not the former things. Won't that be a sweet day? Whew. But you look at this and verse after verse after verse after verse. Can you pick up a theme in heaven? Can you, can you grasp a theme in heaven? In, in heaven, all that is spoken and said that we are given record of constantly points that there is only one that receives focus over and over and over and over again. In great contrast, and I'm going to move quickly and we're going to be done, but in great contrast to what the Bible reveals concerning what is said in heaven, uh, let's consider uh, what we do not see spoken. Now, these statements are re a result of what I hear pushed all around us, and may I say, and here's, here's what's sad, pushed even by professing Christians today. You ready? Pretty basic. When we get to heaven, we will not say nor will we hear a statement. I wish I had made more money. We're not going to hear or say, I should have focused more time on my career. We're definitely not going to hear or say, we spent way too much time serving God. We didn't give enough time to our family. We, we, we spent way too much time just making God too big of a priority in my life. You're not going to hear that. Now, don't get me wrong. I know people say, well, here you go. You're going to make, make it sound like family doesn't matter. No, family matters. But too many times people put their family before God instead of putting their family before God. Does that make sense? You don't have to put your family before him, but you need to put your family before him. Children, see the God you're to serve. Learn of the God you are to know, the one you are to reverence. We replace God with things instead of placing things before him. A little play on words, but y'all get the point. We're not going to hear or say, if only I had found more quality friends to focus on me. Now, now that, that's a personal pet peeve of mine right now. 
because I, can I just be honest with you? And I'm going to be as nice as I possibly can. I am sick and tired of going to people that, that I'm really ready to remove from my friends list, but I'll, it would be very, I'd get some serious backlash on that one. But I am sick and tired of seeing God's people put quote after quote after quote, statement after statement after statement, all about be sure to surround yourself with people who make you feel the way you deserve to feel. Put people around you that are going to love you and take care of you and be there in your dark days. May I say, if the church is not already doing that, there's a problem in the church. This is the place where we should be able to call upon one another. We should be able to, to know that we are there for one another. This is the family of God. That's where it should matter. If you got to go outside the family of God to find people that are going to focus on you and me the way we would like to be focused on and the way we would like to have it, there's a problem in our heart when we, ha- we feel that we have to go outside the church to the world to have friends. Say, you sound mad. I'm not mad at anybody here. I'm mad at a stinking devil who is convincing God's people that the church is not enough. That God's people are not enough. Now, can we have good friends at work? Can we have some people that we are friendly with? Yes, we can. But listen, it's not about you. It's not about me. If everything I say and everything I focus on is, well, I've got to make sure that people are for me. How about me being for others? The Bible focuses a lot more on what I am to be as a servant for others than what others are to be as a servant for me. But yet, we have allowed society to twist things around and convince the child of God that it's about surrounding yourself with people that will help you feel and be and emotionally strengthened. In every area that you need, it's you, 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 you. We're not going to get to heaven and say, I wish I would have found more and spent more time finding quality people to make, make me feel better. We're not going to get to heaven and, 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 and hear things of this nature. I should have worked harder at clarifying how often I was right. <laughs> right? Isn't that not what people do a lot? It's, I know, listen, all of us, if, 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 if you're a headstrong person, it's really hard not to want to prove your point. But we're not going to get to heaven and saying, I really should have worked harder at proving that point. That one right there. Listen, you should stand for truth. You should always share truth. But it's not about me being right. It's always about God being right. I have nothing good to say or offer. It's only what I can share that already exists. We're not going to hear or say, I should have spent more time focusing on me, period. That's not going to be, it might work on Facebook, but it ain't going to work in God's book. Uh, here's, and here's one, that I'm going I'm to hit this, and I want you all to listen very closely to this. We're almost done. This only says 11 o'clock. <laughs> Somebody forgot to change it. <laughs> That was not on purpose. I apologize. I'm looking thinking, wow, that's, that's not bad. Um, we're, not, we're not going to hear or say, if only I had given myself everything I wanted. I missed my opportunity. I wish I could go back and give myself more stuff. Listen to a quote that was shared by someone, not anybody here, so don't worry about it. Nobody here that I know of shared it. 
If you did, take it off quick before I see it. But listen to the quote by an individual called Abraham Hicks that was shared on Facebook. Here's the quote. Don't talk yourself out of wanting something just because you haven't figured out how to get it yet. That is, that is now in some of the, the, the most uh, often used and taught lessons on leadership and on self-helps and all, all these little conferences people go to to be, be challenged in furthering and bettering their life. It was a quote supposedly by an individual called Abraham Hicks. Can I give you who Abraham Hicks is? I looked it up because I was curious. Who is this person? I don't like the quote to begin with. Something doesn't ring true for me. But who is this? The truth about Abraham Hicks, in a nutshell. Abraham Hicks is the name of a non-physical entity that is channeled by Esther Hicks. Their teachings, now this is straight from information concerning their teachings, not Esther Hicks and, 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 uh, and Abraham. It's not talking about Abraham and Esther. It's talking about Abraham. Abraham Hicks referred to as their, plural. Their teachings are said to be about the law of attraction. That's a whole other thing. You, I, matter of fact, don't study it out. Just leave it alone. Esther describes them as a group of non-physical entities who present themselves as Abraham and who speaks through a process known as channeling. Esther Hicks is an American author and speaker on the subject. Now, here's, here's the, the woman who's seen in physical aspect. She's an American author and speaker on the subject of the law of attraction. She is a New York Times best-selling author. And she is... Uh, who is known for her book, here you go, who's known for, here's, here's the main book, you ready? ready? Here's the name of it. Ask and it is given. Hmm, sound familiar? And runs Abraham Hicks Publications. You see any books underneath the, the title of Abraham Hicks Publications run as far as you can away. Matter of fact, burn it first. Esther and Abraham Hicks are teachers of the laws of attraction. Now watch, here's their un underlying belief. They believe that your thoughts and feelings create your reality. That is what's being taught today, and Christians are sucking it in, hook, line, and sinker, and posting statements and quotes by Abraham Hicks. May I say, you post anything by Abraham Hicks, you are posting satanic influence. And yes, I sound mad because I am. I'm like a wet hornet. I am not happy. Because I, I, I am, and again, I am not trying to be self-righteous whatsoever. I have my problems. I know that. I am, I am a sinner still, saved by grace. But here's the thing. There are some things that should not be played with. And too many times we are buying hook, line, and sinker and sharing that which we've never even investigated and we are propagating wickedness. 
And I'm probably going to get an earful if the individual that, I'm, that, that I saw ever sees this, I'm going to get an earful for, for it. But I really don't care. Here's the last one for you, and we're almost done. You'll never hear, I wish I would have done things my way instead. I wish I would have just done things my way. Like all my, my current societal teachers are teaching me. You, nobody knows better than you what's best for you. We could keep going on and on and on with the statements like this, but we don't have time for it. But we can see the point that needs to be understood. Even Christ himself placed emphasis and focus on this very issue. Can you go with me to one more passage of scripture as we close this morning? Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse number 19. Jesus himself, and y'all, it's, it's, it's well known. Y'all know this. It's nothing new. But Christ himself taught this right here. Now I want you to understand as you're turning there, our society today has infiltrated the hearts and minds of God's people. So much, in fact, that many of them cannot even see the strange fire that they are playing with. Hearts are being turned away from the Lord, while at the same time convincing those individuals to call what's happening a spiritual awakening in their life. It's not a spiritual awakening, it's called spiritual morphine. They become numb and dead to what is truly spiritually needed. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 20 says, in 21 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. May I say this, and don't take me wrong, and I know there's a lot of, uh, um, brother, uh, yeah, you. Um, <laughs> brother Rife mentioned a minute ago, just a little while ago, um, the, the, that book that you mentioned. The, that's more, that, that is more of a secular book, isn't it? Okay, but here's the thing. Some of those, some of those leadership books and stuff are, do teach principles that do come straight from this book. They don't give much credit to it, but they, they, it, it is principles that you can find backed up in God's word. And that's not a problem. I, I'm okay with that. What I do have a problem is when they take truth and give just enough truth to then twist and take people's hearts and minds away from truth. You get truth, so you think you're having truth, and then you get shared a lie, and you suck it in, hook, line, and sinker. But may I say, societal uh, uh, self-help, self-improvement, and most nowadays leadership books that are taught today are bathed in Eastern mysticism and spiritual darkness. You can just research it. Look at it. Matter of fact, be careful, research it. Don't go too deep. But you'll find, just the shallow research, you'll find it all goes back to your chakras and your this and your you and your being God and all that kind of stuff. You, watch out. Be careful what or who you let influence your thinking. God's word clearly teaches us, and here's some verses, we'll, we'll end with this. God's word teaches us the focus the child of God should have. You ready? Here we go. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Not just 5 and 6, 5 through 7. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's where he stopped. What about verse number seven? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Matthew 6, 31 and 33. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Philippians 4, 8, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And last but not least whatsoever, what you do here in heaven backs up John three thirty. He must increase, and I must decrease. That is complete opposite of almost everything you see in society today trying to teach the child of God what really matters. Do you know why people are miserable? Because they can't make themselves happy enough. You want to know why people are stressed out? Because they're too worried about trying to find all the friends that are going to make them feel good about themselves while they live in a life that is miserable, wanting people to make them feel good about their misery. How about we just turn back to God and let him increase while we decrease? Decreasing? We're not supposed to decrease. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be increasers. No, if I can just learn to decrease while he increases, when God is ready, he will lift me up. And I'm done, but I'll make this one more statement. When a child of God posts more statements from people in this world about the things that really matter and what you should be focused on, saying, I really needed this. When they post more about the world and they post nothing from this book, there's a serious heart problem. God forbid that this preacher ever get to a point where I hold in higher elevation a man's statement and a man's claim of what's important over what God has already said is important. Things that will not, or statements not, not to be made and won't be made in heaven. Everything you hear about what's being said in heaven is about him. Thou art worthy. Holy, holy, holy. Thou art worthy. I'm not going to look and say, wow, I really wish I had focused more on me. I really wish I had had more stuff. I really wish I had done more to be popular. I really wish I'd had more better friends. There is a friend which sticketh closer than a brother. And he's the one that matters. Be careful thinking what the world says is important is what God says is important. I would hold God's opinion a lot higher than any professor or great leadership teacher in this world. If it doesn't back, it's not backed up from the Bible, it's not for me. Not backed up with God's word and truth. Leave it alone. It might be good stuff for the world, but it's not good for the Christian. Be careful with it. God has given us everything we need right here. He's given us everything we need. Encouragement, 
direction, roadmap. Follow this truth, not remade truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. I know today was a different